Hello and welcome to That Film Stew. I'm Luke. And I'm Jason. In this episode, we've got another movie review, and this time we're looking at The Suicide Squad. Written and directed by James Gunn, The Suicide Squad is the superhero film based on the DC Comics team of the same name. Produced by DC Films and distributed by Warner Brothers Pictures, The Suicide Squad is the standalone sequel to Suicide Squad from 2016 and the 10th film in the DC Extended Universe. The movie is out now in cinemas and on HBO Max in the United States, but if you haven't watched The Suicide Squad yet and you want to, go watch it first before listening to our full review. You will be... No, we will be talking spoilers. David Ayer was set to return for a Suicide Squad sequel but chose to develop a Gotham City Sirens film instead. Gunn was hired after being temporarily fired by Disney and Marvel Studios as the director of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Jason, you have the plot. The government sends the most dangerous supervillains in the world, Bloodsport, Peacemaker, King Shark, Harley Quinn and others to the remote enemy-infused island of Cordo Maltese. Armed with high-tech weapons, they trek through the dangerous jungle on a search-and-destroy mission with only Colonel Rick Flagg on the ground to make them behave. Before we get into the film, this is where I'd like to start because it's happened to me now on two occasions, The Conjuring and now The Suicide Squad, going to the cinema, sitting down in what I believe to be the correct screen. Oh, not Warner Brothers, <laughs> Universal Pictures. What is going yes. on? It's honestly yes. The Conjuring. I meant to mention it when we did our review. I thought I was in the wrong cinema and had a mini panic. Yeah. And it happened again <laughs> with the Suicide Squad. You don't expect to see Universal ahead of a big it's, Warner Brothers movie. Oh, uh, it's it's weird. I mean, at the top there, I you know obviously distributed by Warner Brothers. I think in Australia or something, it, it's like. Universal's taken the lead on on putting this movie out. I I can't explain it. I don't know why, but it is what it is. It's I went to because I'm yeah. sitting through like 20 minutes of trailers, and then thinking, "Oh my god, the yeah. wrong screen! <laughs> <What>? <laughs> I'm missing the movie." I gotta tell you, like I went to I went to the Perth premiere of this film. Um, at the start of the movie, there was we got one trailer. It was for Dune, but um, you know there was there was a lady at the front, obviously working for Warner Brothers or Universal. I'm not quite sure. You know, she announced the film that we were going to watch, so I was fairly confident at that stage that yes, I'm in the right place. Everyone else is looking like they're there to watch the Suicide Squad, and then yeah, the Universal banner, like you know, like little intro plays, and I'm still just sitting there going, "But why? <laughs> like, yeah, it's it's, it's weird. It's it, weird. It really is weird." And you know, I was looking forward to the movie. And obviously, you know, time sensitive. I needed to watch it in time for this review. And then I'm watching the Universal logo. Anyway, it was the right, it was the right screen. It was the right screen. It won't throw me next time. <laughs> but it's got me twice so far. That's a, okay. that's a thing you need to address. Let's talk about the actual movie. But I felt as though that needed to be brought up. But you're right, that might just be an Australia thing. Not necessarily the US, the UK, wherever whatever else the second suicide squad movie the third suicide squad movie we've actually reviewed for the podcast the first one back in 2016 the david air directed movie and i mean that one had a witch and i struggled to get on board with that as a concept that movie had many other problems but let's just stick with the witch for now And for some reason, a giant alien starfish, I'm okay with. Go figure. But and then, Do you know what? There's, there's a reason, and I'm sure yes. we'll get to it, but there's yeah. a reason. I mean, there is. Like and discuss. the other Suicide Squad movie we released, also R-rated, just like this movie, El Tepe. It was a good movie. That movie mm. starred Christian Slater as Deadshot. I feel like I've mentioned him <laughs> on a couple of podcasts at this point. <laughs> just another shout out to Christian Slater. But um it okay, keeps coming this, up, but I don't know. I don't know what. Yes. Not in this movie. This is the James Gunn directed Suicide Squad. And not just Suicide Squad, the Suicide Squad. Just like the comics the, Almost from like yesteryear. But it's almost like putting that that that, that definitive 
kind of stamp on it. It's like this is the Suicide Squad, and I guess you know, mentioning that that original, the the 2016 film, you know, in a way, like this is this is not a reboot. This isn't a. I mean, it is a standalone sequel. It is very much still connected. It's still got those threads through lines. There's returning characters and and therefore actors. There's obviously lots of new characters and, and, and stuff. I mean, tonally, very different. Dare I just say straight away, you know, quality. Um, there's there's so much better here uh, without showing my hand too much. But I mean, we obviously reviewed that first film, and it was it was it's a, it's a weak film. Um, I did a rewatch recently of the well, I watched the extended version, and, and to be honest, apart from some extra Joker scenes, I, I don't see what really was... 13 minutes, really? Was there an extra 13 minutes? Of what? Yeah, th- yeah. I don't know what was 13. in there that was different. It's about the movie. 13 minutes. It felt like... It, it, is, it is better. It's still... It's still not great. It really Honestly, is just... I, I there was a lot There was a lot wrong. That movie, it doesn't happen often. And, you know, it was a new DC movie. I was excited. And I just walked out of that screening and I was driving home and I was just thinking... Well, I didn't know what to think. I didn't know if I liked it, disliked it. I, I just, <laughs> I, I was struggling to form an opinion on it. And what that movie had yeah. was, I mean, there were some good characters in there and um, yeah, that was the, the biggest takeaway from that movie. But just what they did with those characters and what they did with that story um, and with Suicide Squad, like the, the concept of the Suicide Squad, it, they just didn't deliver a on it like there wasn't any it was meant to be a movie about villains pretty much put in a situation where they had to do the wrong thing to get the right result that they wanted and i just feel like that movie didn't deliver on on that kind of concept it didn't land it didn't land but we got this one and i feel like there's there's a bit of correction made and yeah there is but as you say it is it's a continuation of that story we're getting returning actors and characters i'm really glad they've done that and of course you know we've seen margot robbie as harley quinn in other things you know birds of prey came out what last year so it's yeah. good that you know saying other things it's like that was it <laughs> like, that was... well that's true actually yeah okay this is the third yeah. time we've got her as harley quinn i get you know what it feels like we've had a lot more of Margot Robbie's Harley Quinn because I would, I mean, casting what I did is perfection. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what I did. So not only did I watch that extended um, version of the, of, of Suicide Squad, what the hell is that movie called? Yeah, Suicide Squad. But then I also watched, um, I rewatched Birds of Prey, the fantabulous emancipation of one Harley Quinn um, in lead up to this. In my mind, I was like, I had just done, you know, like the Snyder films, to watch, uh, you know, Zack Snyder's cut of Justice League. And then I figured this is almost like its own separate DC trilogy of this, like the more bonkers kind of weird, or dare I just say it's the Harley Quinn trilogy. Really? That's she's the direct through line. She's a good character and she's back. And I'm glad that she, I'm glad that she is. I mean, that was, that was my joke. That was my joke. Yeah. Yeah. That was a misstep. It's not great, is it? It's not great. It's, oh, it's not as good as... Oh, no, I really yeah. like it. I really like it. I've seen it a couple of times. I remember like, liking it. I remember liking no, it I, when it came out. And I, like it. I was like... I like the characters there's coming together. Stuff. There's a lot to it's, like in it. It's not a great uh, movie. I disagree. I, I really like it a lot. But the... I, mean, I don't disagree with your opinion. That's yours. But I just mean, I think... <laughs> I, think it, I think it's really good. Let but me have thing, that. <laughs> the big misstep is that it should have just been a Harley Quinn movie, but they called it Birds of Prey, and they were in it sometimes. Mm. But anyway, that's <laughs> that's a completely different <laughs> review. And um, okay, we should talk, I guess, to begin with about the, the temporary characters. So before we get to the mainstays, because we were told going in, don't get too attached because there's going to be some deaths in this one. We didn't really get that in that first David Ayer movie, but this one we knew going in that there was going to be some fatalities. Isn't, isn't, that, isn't that weird? In, in, a, in a movie about the characters called The Suicide Squad, it's like there are characters actually, you know, lives are lost in this. Uh, to be honest, if you look at the poster, bit of a giveaway. 
about who your main characters are. It is, but if I'm honest, I didn't focus too much on that. I just went into the movie. Okay, what have you got? Yeah, for yeah. <laughs> it starts off with the ill-fated first Suicide Squad team, which includes Michael Rooker as Savant. I would seen him in the posters, the trailers, and you know Michael Rooker, like he's been in, I think, most of James Gunn's films. You know, Slither, all of them, Guardians of the Galaxy, Super, most of them. I reckon Slither onwards, he's been in them. And you know, we know Michael Rooker from Walking Dead, and he's you know, a tough guy exterior, and you know, he's a you know, a silent type in this, a bit... That's what he's presented as in that this. Is. It's nothing different. But he's a big coward. <laughs> but then, <laughs> but I feel as though his fear is completely unjustified because the situation is crazy and the people he's surrounded by are even crazier. So just a bit where it's like a, It's like a D-Day, it's like D-Day landing on Normandy Beach, but like with... Detachable hands. Um, <laughs> yes. Okay. Let's go through this. I thought that was a nice little reveal. I mm. didn't think that's that's the direction that character was going to go in. I mean, this movie starts with him killing a bird, and then with him then being eaten by a bird. But anyway, so we've got Michael Booker as Savant, poetic. Pete, Pete Davidson as Blackguard, an easily manipulated mercenary. So I didn't know too much about this character. Pete Davidson, I know he's from SNL, but I'm not too familiar with, with him outside of that. I just know he's a guy with lots of tattoos. So he's in this, doesn't last too long. We get Nathan Fillion as TDK. And if you're sure what that stands for, the detachable kid. You know, I'm just going to say, okay, number one, didn't realise it was Nathan Fillion. Number two, oh, in a wow. movie with... In a movie with a talking walking shark and a giant um, starfish alien, this character with his detachable arms is the most unrealistic thing in this movie. <laughs> yeah. This, out of everything, I can't, I just couldn't get behind this. I was like, how does this work? Honestly, so, this, this is not, the, not, this not just is the not... detaching. How does he then control them? It, I don't know. Too many questions. Telekinesis, some guessing. Oh, I mean, I mean, TDK sounds like telekinesis. The whole thing. <laughs> yeah, okay. it is ridiculous like, it is completely ridiculous oh, we'll get to Weasel you know the whole thing like, I mean did nobody check oh, if Weasel could swim I, I mean <laughs> anyway I'm going to say this right watching the Suicide Squad I can honestly I can't remember the last time at the cinema I laughed out loud as much as I did as in this movie um, the yeah my wife kept telling me that up she was like can you, can you stop I was like, the, I first, the first big <laughs> laugh was the detachable kid like with his arms because i agree with you completely it's ridiculous how does it work but just him like the heroic pose of nathan fillion the arms detach and then he's just mm. slapping soldiers <laughs> he's just it's it's just, just ridiculous the visuals of like the bone sticking out it was almost like when you take like a toy like the arms off a toy it was like those little yeah. socket things that's what the, like the a bones toy. Are. the whole thing yeah. is, <laughs> is ridiculous but it's supposed to be it's not like you're laughing at a visual effect that they've tried to do something artsy with and it's just failed like what you're seeing on screen is clearly what they've set out to do and it's supposed to be silly but i agree yeah it is it, it is ridiculous, but it made me laugh. It was funny because it's not just the visual of the arms. It's how, in reality, ineffective it is, really. Because, like, his arms are then, you know, I, yeah, he's, he's easily taken down, like a lot of this first wave. But it's not that good of a power, at least how it's presented in, <laughs> in, this, in this opening scene. Mentioned Weasel already. We've got Sean Gunn. In one of two roles, did you spot him as Calendar Man in the background at the prison? Is that who he was playing? Because um, yes, I noticed him. He was at the prison, bald. Oh, he's got yeah. the markings on the head, just like Calendar Man. You know, we talked about oh, him true. recently. The Long Halloween. That's crazy. Like literally, just watched the Long Halloween, and there he is. That's there he is. So he's playing uh, two characters. But yeah, Weasel. What the hell? Like, what? What even is it? Like, we're told I feel like that was. Children. I feel like that was my cinema's nice. first laugh. Was him oh, uh, right. uh, drowning like a rat in water? Just 
Yeah, and that was the thing, cool. like, Savant was the one that went back to save him. Oh, okay, so he's the leader, he's going to do something. And yeah, no, that's not what happened. <laughs> we all just survived, though, but we'll, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> we get Flulaborg as Javelin, a former Olympic athlete who wields Javelins as weapons. And the Javelin is pretty much in the movie. Because of yeah, Harley yeah, Quinn. we can. She, there's she a whole, there's a whole connection to Harley Quinn. But that was the thing. Like yeah. his dying breath, he was telling her about the javelin, and she's having like a soft, you know, like a, like a, she's having a moment with him, and they just violently start slapping his face, wanting to know the the rest of the sentence. <laughs> like what? She's like, I hate that. Like that's yeah, it's good. And then there is a good payoff with that javelin. Like it comes in handy later. Harley Quinn fight. Well, I guess she just comes to a conclusion of what she needs to to do do with it. Good. And the last, I kind of hurt a little bit, but <laughs> I guess the last death in the opening, we have Mei Ling Ing as Mongal, an alien mass murderer. I mean, this character pretty much just takes herself out, like you know. The call, the call for her not to do what she's about to do. She pulls the helicopter down, and then she goes up in flames. But she is, I guess, the daughter of Mongol, who is a powerful Superman villain, and she's assuming right. a daughter of him. But she's like from a powerful alien race. I mean, there's characters that we're getting in here, and she's one that's like, wow, you know, you know, Starro mentioned. The, the con- Star of the Conqueror already. Like, we're getting things in live action in this film for the first time ever. And Mongal is another example of that. I thought yeah, maybe it's, she'd it's... stick around some more, but as you say, if you looked at the posters, you'd know she doesn't. <laughs> it's just not a, she's on a mainstay. Um, but yeah, like the, just like obscure characters thrown in. I mean, you know, we've already mentioned James Gunn. It was like it's as if he was given the keys and just being like, cool, the uh, the toy box is yours. Take what you want. Do what you want. Do it. it it's, I mean, who knows? They, they could have been, you know, studio mandates or feedback and stuff like that. But from what I can see, it's it's just like, it sounds like everything came from the mind of a yes. crazy person and yeah. that is... Uh, Mr. James Gunn himself, and it's great. I think it's good stuff. I think he was allowed to do whatever he wants. I mean, keep in mind, this is a DC EU movie. Mm -hmm. Started (laughs) with Zack Snyder's Man of Steel. We're seeing that world still exist in the Suicide Squad, and what this movie gives us that no other DCEU movie has, has given us before. We see a penis in this film. It wasn't on my yeah, list of things to see. But, but this is like, there's so many things in this film where he's, <laughs> well, that's what happened before. And that's clearly, you know, on the back of a writer-director that has been told, do what you want to do. We're going to make this yeah. R rating and you can just <laughs> put whatever you want in here, including... A flaccid penis. There is, I mean, there's a lot of this movie where I'm sitting there being like, okay, how how in the world is this in the same universe as as Man of Steel? And to be honest, it's like it's not. Like it's it's really not, and it can't be. But it is. But, but it we've is. moved you know, we've moved so far from there that whatever. No, but is you what know it what? Is. But do you what, know what? the the thing the thing that, let me let me finish let me finish, let me finish. what what's actually making it all work and still I'm not sitting here watching this movie being like this is so unrealistic that I'm not buying it whether tonally I've moved past the fact like okay, we're 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 doing we're in uncharted territory we're just doing new new shit here it's all good but the movie still has this sense of and this is ridiculous groundedness um realness and it comes from moments like when you have the character of amanda waller explaining king shark who he is and what he is but she's just saying it with such conviction she is she believes what she is saying so much 
that I cannot sit there as an audience member and not believe her that there is a walking, talking shark and he exists in this well, world able, and it's real. It's nuts, man. can eat it because she can say <laughs> he's a king shark. And then somebody in that same scene can just dismiss it. That's not true. And they move on. Maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. Maybe it's just a mutation, a metahuman. But what I was going to say before, and I get it, you had a point you wanted to make, is that <laughs> what DC are doing now is what they were supposed to be doing all along. It was what was going to be different to what Marvel were doing. And granted, Marvel have got to a point now, like Taika Wahiti, Thor Ragnarok, like that was very, and still is very different to a lot of the MCU. But going back to Man of Steel, Zack Snyder, like it was supposed to be bringing creatives on board, but letting them tell their stories in their way, but it would still fit within a shared continuity. Now, clearly things got derailed very early on with David Ayer's Suicide Squad, a lot of studio interference there. But what they're doing now, like with Birds of Prey, the Suicide Squad, tonally is working, but it's got to be with the right characters. So like, yeah, what the, how they're telling this story in this way works for these characters. Like, if this would have been James Gunn's approach to, say, a Man of Steel sequel, we wouldn't be getting the result that we're getting with this movie. It works yeah, because it's the be perfect pairing between the director and, and the characters. But it's an exciting I mean, I guess time that they're able to is. tell stories the way they want to tell them. I mean, it's much like, and uh, I, I was like, let's try not to do like the Marvel comparisons. But I mean, you take something like Guardians of the Galaxy and put it right next to that first Iron Man movie. And in your head, you're like, how? How does this all exist in one thing? Yet it's proven that it very clearly connects quite well and it can exist and it can be such differing tones and they all mesh here there's obviously a very uh, a very much more like clear difference in what was before and what's now but i mean again we're removed from that now where we're just moving forward and we're, we're having a good time maybe i'll revisit aquaman again and and really embrace that octopus playing those drums like maybe. it's a good scene <laughs> <laughs> it's a good scene okay ocean master <laughs> it's a good name. I love the I love the expression changes on the helmet. Anyway, we've done that. We've reviewed oh, the movie at God. length. We've said it already. Margot Robbie back as Harley Quinn. I mean, I don't know what's more to say. I mean, she's still bringing it. Like, you know, she's still been great. Bring, yeah, she she really all three of her movies. <laughs> all three of her movies. Yeah, I mean, she's she's excellent. I guess. What we're getting out of here, okay, so let's let's praise or compliment that David Ayer movie for a moment. There's some character interactions in that which really work, and they've been able to bring those relationships over to here. Oh, a member of that Captain squad that gets taken Boomerang. out in the beginning, Captain Boomerang, Jai Courtney, is back. And this is the best Captain Boomerang we've got from him, and I liked him previously. But it's that like we've got that inbuilt knowledge from that first movie they had together. Like when they come and Harley is calling him Boomer and he's like, oh, hey, Harls. And they're just really buddy. Yeah. Like you generally, you buy that relationship. But I guess we had that other movie to set it up for us. But just their chemistry is undeniable. And just like with Joel Kinnaman as a different Rick Flag, but he's still Rick Flag. And again, the relationship between him and Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn like goes so far to sell the relationship. Yeah, there's there's history sort of coming with these returning characters. It's at no point is this movie saying, "Hey, we forget what was established then or, or whatnot." It's it's just picking up the pieces and being like, "Okay, well now we're just going to do something better with it." But we we do lose we do lose um, Captain Boomerang, which I was pretty early surprised by. But again, what a surprise! That poster, what a surprise! He's not on it. He's not the he's not the main poster to put in out there. Well, the, 
you know, like uh, you you see the opening credits. There's you know there's names flashing on. Oh, maybe he died already by that stage. But I don't know. His name pops yeah. up nice and early. He's well, they they did a thing, didn't they? Where they die in the opening, and there's that bit with Weasel licking the mirror. There's that bit with. Uh, Pete Davidson, where he's got the toilet roll yeah. on his shoe, whereas the movie gave us a flashback, but we'd got all those scenes in the trailer. So that was pretty cool. Like, even though you're watching the movie, you see them die, you're thinking, oh, but maybe there's more. Well, that's what I was thinking. Well, I was actually thinking, I was like, oh, those sneaky bastards. There's, there's scenes in the trailer that aren't in the movie because I was like, they put a fake weasel scene because I was thinking of that licking, nice. <laughs> the, licking the window yeah, yeah. scene. I was like, maybe that's not in this movie. And then there was a flashback. So I was like, okay, cool, cool, cool. I get it. All you good. Know, as you know, I've been looking forward to seeing John Cena as Peacemaker. He's a ruthless killer who believes in achieving peace at any cost. I've been pretty excited for this character. I like John Cena as an actor. I've read the character in the comics. And ahead of the movie, I went out and bought the pop vinyl. It was visually crazy. A lot like the film, but I liked the look yeah. of it. And you were like, but what if you don't like the character? And I'm like... I said, yeah, what if you hate him? What if you dead set? <laughs> do not like the performance, the character? What? I don't know. What's the I've, I very much like the character. Like, I thought it was great. Like, in, a, <laughs> in a douche kind of way. Like, you know, we've got a lot of humour. Like, that scene in the jungle, and, you know, there's there's a disturbance, and you've got John Cena just stood there in white pants. And it's like, it's ridiculous. <laughs> It's just, oh man, it's just crazy. But so again, like that was the character. I'm like, great. We know we're going to get a HBO Max TV series focused on Peacemaker. John Cena's back. James Gunn's back. So that was the character I went into the movie wanting to see. But the character that stole the whole show for me. I guess. Can I guess? Go. Polka dot man. Oh, what? No. <laughs> no. Oh, okay. Is that, is that your honest guess? I, I, I spoke too soon. Be sure. I, I okay. spoke too soon. Nah, nah, nah. I'm talking about <laughs> Bloodsport. Idris Elba. Oh, right. <laughs> uh, yeah. Are you like, sure Polka dot man? There's, there's... I mean, no, he's great in his, in his own right. We'll come back to him. We'll come back to him. Let's, uh, no, we let's will definitely it. get to Polka dot man. <laughs> but, um, you know, Bloodshot. I'm so I've... confident. I've read his character more so, I think, in the 90s in the comics. But he's not a character I've thought about in years. When they were talking about Idris Elba first being in this movie, it was rumoured he was going to be taken over from Will Smith as Floyd Lawton Deadshot. But it ended up being a different character, although similar in the way that they're both doing it for their daughters or they're both trying to do something for their daughter. So that was a little bit, that's okay. Mm. That was a little bit similar. They're really, they're really good at shooting things. Oh, but the thing, the difference with Bloodsport though, <laughs> is that he's a mercenary, <laughs> but he's got like techno advanced technology and everything that expands and he's like connecting big little weapons to make bigger weapons. But just his character, I thought was fantastic. But I, I'm fully aware a lot of what makes his character fantastic. Idris Elba. Like, he's, he's fantastic. Like, I've never oh, yeah, seen, for sure. Like he, I've never seen yeah. a bad Idris Elba performance. And oh, I've never seen dominating the screen. anybody walk with as much swagger as Idris Elba. I mean, we're getting oh, the show is, Luther. Nobody cool can pull that off. Like, it, it just looks so cool. And his character, and, you know, obviously he's, he's trying to keep his daughter, Tyler, out of jail. And Walla, she's threatening him. You know, in this, I can't remember, but in this state, she could be tried as an adult. Maybe she'll end up at Belle Reve. And we're getting all of that. She's like, fine, I'll lead your team. And then he gets the relationship with Ratcatcher 2 and he makes the promise. And ah, it's just, I love his whole arc. And Idris Elba, like we, we've seen him in a comic book movie before, not just Thor, where he, you know, he just <laughs> operates the Bifrost, but we've also seen him in Losers, <laughs> the other DC movie. He does more in Thor Ragnarok, he does more, he saves people. But this is way more Idris Elba than I realised we were going to get with this movie and it was a pleasant surprise now I mean he is if there is a character to to say is 
I guess, uh, the the lead. I guess it feels weird saying uh, one of our main protagonists. I mean, I um, agree with but, that, but that's not the trailers. That is not in the trailers. No, at that's all, if true. anything. But really, it's it's him yeah. versus Peacemaker. I mean, they're on the same team, but at the same time, they're they're very much not. They've got different missions. They've got different priorities, different goals. Um, different values and stuff, and that conflict between the two of them, like that, that really comes to to fold towards the, I guess, right before the end of the, the third act. Honestly, I um, can't believe it's, you didn't say different size bullets when you were talking about all the differences. <laughs> <laughs> That's where I thought you were heading. Yeah, and again, this movie is great with setups, early setups with payoffs later, and one of them is the the thing about like I can I can. I can shoot a bullet smaller than yours that will like just pierce through. And you think it's all just talk. It's all just trying to show each other up. And then later on, it's proven. It's proven that that's, that's what he's got. Ah, good stuff. I mean, we do see Peacemaker with Bloodsport's small bullet get shot in the neck or in the throat. Mm. And in that moment, I'm thinking, right. So is the TV series a prequel or is he somehow going to survive? So that's something that was playing around in my mind as I was watching the movie. It's mm. always that thing of course we find it. You do find out. It's that thing where yeah. you know <laughs> something comes next. But that was a... They had the banter and there's times, you know, where they actually got along. And yeah, it doesn't end, end well for them. I mean, there's that great, that great scene in the... Uh, in that village where you know they're they're going in or or <laughs> oh, you mean stealth they, and stuff where they accidentally murder the freedom fighters. <laughs> <laughs> Not all of them, most of them, until they realise what's happened. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like so. Uh, a little part I was like, "There's something. There's something not quite right about this." I mean, there's a funny scene, but yeah, it's like no yeah. one's retaliating. No one's. They're just they're just doing it. They're just killing people like doing their washing. Like and the leader reading of resistance is like, why weren't I alarmed? <laughs> or why weren't I alerted to your arrival? I don't know. What about the soldiers? I didn't see anybody. <laughs> no one ever. <laughs> yeah, uh, that, that, was a, that was a great scene. That scene was an absolute highlight for the film. That was a lot of fun. And then just them two just giving each other shit as well. It was just, it was a lot of fun. We've mentioned King Shark a couple of times already. Or Nawai. I think King Shark is only actually referred to that twice in the whole movie. The rest of the time. Right, yeah, and he's referred he's to as his Nowai. name, I guess, is Nawai. Sylvester Stallone is the voice of Nawai. Do you know what I love about it? I mean, one, it's amazing. But I like <laughs> the fact that they've obviously done something to his voice. But there's so much of Stallone in that performance. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like if, yeah, it, it, if you you can't told, tell it's him. Yeah, you wouldn't it, know. Yeah, but there's enough of him coming through. So like if you'd not been told, you'd be like, "Hang on a minute, that sounds like Sylvester Stallone." You'd still be, you'd still be questioning it. This character is is great. I mean, there's obviously a lot of visual gags, very gory, violent. You know, he, he rips a man in 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 half, and it's just. It's just like blood and guts everywhere. It's disgusting. You know, he's biting people's like, let's just say top halves off. It's it's crazy. <laughs> like this is a this is a monster. This is a cartoony, ridiculous character. But again, that delivery from Amanda Waller just saying, you know, like introducing him. It's just so, it's just so real. Then I'm like, oh, cool. Mm. And then there's a scene, the scene when they're driving around in the, in the bus, and you know, like. There's just like people walking around on the street, you know, people holding hands, embracing each other, and then it cuts to him, and it's just this shot, and it's like in that moment you're like, oh, this is this is who this character is. Like, he's more than just like you know their monster friend that they've brought along. Is he's got real feelings and thoughts, and yeah, you know, you know the, the scene in the jungle where you know John Cena's in his tidy whities <laughs> That whole scene, I mean, there's tidy whities happening, but there's also you know, a moment where this character is like, I don't have any friends. Um, you know, like, I, so it's just going to eat them. But it's well, like, it's oh, about yeah, to eat right. catcher too. Yeah, man. It's and like, like you your friend. To him. Yeah, you wouldn't eat a friend, would you? Yeah, like, no. 
I don't have any friends. So, yeah. Peacemaker, he's clearly lying to you. <laughs> like nobody trusts him. <laughs> oh, it's, yeah, it all it, it all comes together. You, you mentioned you madness. mentioned him ripping the guy in half. Like what I did read is that that's James Gunn's favorite shot in the film. That whole thing. King Shark was CGI, while his victim was a dummy with prosthetics. That's how they did that effect, which I thought was oh, pretty wow. cool because it could have all just been CGI. But no, That's he wanted neat. to do something. But to think else. in this movie, like, and this is this is all credit to. I was just going to give it to James Gunn because who else? Gonna, who else am I going to give it to? Like, this movie, it's like on a, it's like a pendulum, like it'll swing towards the ridiculous, the bombastic, the crazy, the tonally insane, and then swing back and we're getting heartfelt, character-building, just moments of sincerity and realism, and then it will swing back again to the ridiculous yeah. and it will just keep going back on like a, such a subtle balance that it never feels... And it's weird. This, these these words these words are coming out of my mouth. It never feels too ridiculous because the pendulum swings back at just the right time to bring us back, and it just keeps going back and forth. It's like a like an orchestra. It's crazy. Honestly, it, it's like, the balance yeah. is nutty, man. You it it does it works as you say. And the credit is James Gunn. Of course it is. Can you imagine right if he didn't have full creative control and he was to show this film to the suits at Warner Brothers and they were going to make changes that they felt they needed to so the movie made more sense. It would just not work. It works the way that it does because, like I say, it's just swinging from, you know, it's heartfelt, it's ridiculous, it's action-packed, it's all these different things where he's, he's managed to, to make it work. And that's why you need somebody like... James Gunn, a visionary that's going to be able to fully execute his vision without any interference because it shouldn't make sense. It shouldn't work, but it does. Going back to King Shark, we've, you know, obviously credited Sylvester Stallone. So he is the voice. Stephen Ogi is a US comedian he developed King Shark's portrayal as a standing on set while the character was then created with visual effects. And Ogie is also in the film playing, uh, who does he play? He plays the, the warden at Belle Reve Penitentiary and an aide to Waller. So he's the guy that's saying, you wasn't really going to kill his kid, were you? He's also King Shark. Oh, all right. So he's pulling double duties. Peter Capaldi, he's in this as the thinker, a metahuman scientist in charge of Project Starfish. You know, he's a real bad guy. You know, he's spending time with bad guys, supervillains, but, you know, at times we're showing a different side to their characters. They're more than just being a villain. The thinker's just a villain. <laughs> he's literally, that's, that's who he is. <laughs> he's, been, yeah. he's been running tests, operating on star role for the last 30 years but he's he's the villain he's the big bad you know i've seen this character recently on a season of the flash uh the big bad <laughs> oh well he's he's instrumental like he's a at least <laughs> he's a he's a character for the comics he's the thinker but it, i mean star is clearly the big bad although i don't know revenge you know, for what what's been taken and been held. I guess captive. I guess he's he's like the Lex Luthor and Starro's like the Doomsday. I guess does that work? That Starro's good though. I guess <laughs> the Starro we get is, is wow. Good. <laughs> but, oh come on, Doomsday! <laughs> yeah. You can't defend Doomsday. No, but, in, no, yeah, but I just, you just didn't, there's you did unnecessary D. You just didn't need to go there. You could have just <laughs> you brought up the comparisons. It. But okay, okay, Capaldi, <laughs> former Doctor Who. Here he is being a buddy. I had a bit of bit of fun with it. Let's just talk polka dot man then. Let's um let's do that. We've got David Das Molchin. He's a guy that first, you know, his first acting role was The Dark Knight. That was his first yeah, ever. Look up at the guy who his acting credits. The guy who shot Commissioner Golden. 
And he went from that to playing a villain on the Gotham TV series. He's in the Ant-Man movies for Marvel. He's Calendar Man in the recent Batman The Long Halloween. Doing a lot of comic book adaptions at the moment. Mm. And in this, Polka Dot Man. You know, you bought a pop of, um, you know, Peacemaker. Is Pete, and uh, I know you said, you know, Bloodsport is, I guess, like your favorite character in this movie. You enjoyed him quite a lot. I've got to say, Polka Dot Man, like, just what an awesome power and all the stuff they're doing with it. I mean, which was always mom. Not one you'd want. No, no, but (laughs) I don't know. Very effective, very useful. This character is pretty cool. I think if I'm going to get, if I was to choose to get a pop of a character in this movie, I'm going to get a Polka Dot Man. He is a great character. and It's ridiculous. Dust Mulchin <laughs> is fantastic in everything that I've seen him in. So it's good to see he's having such success. And yeah, he's, he's really good in this. But the visual of him seeing his mother everywhere he looks, like they, so they, introduce that, they introduce it early on. But then when it gets to the point when you've got his mother as a giant kaiju, just like you, you could just go with it. Like the whole thing's ridiculous. So instead of seeing Starro, he sees his mother, and then instead of seeing the Suicide Squad, it's his mother. So whoever that actress is, as all the heroes, so like his mother as Peacemaker, and all the other characters, it's 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 they, like they they keep coming back to it. Like at the at the club, like it's just the mother dancing everywhere with him <laughs> then, and he's just having such a good time yeah, like, it's, it's pretty weird isn't it because then there's a woman that's kind of dancing with him in the club and she's bending over but he sees his mother there's a lot i mean he's a troubled character but again that's <laughs> another example of like you know very humorous visuals and moments there but it's all coming from a very serious dark origins for this character you know like his mother was so obsessed with turning him into like a, a metahuman that, um, you know, she put him through these experiments and stuff like that at, at um, name drop star labs. And, you know, now he has this like uh, nuclear skin deficiency where he gets all these radiated po- and he has to basically release, relieve himself of, of these, of these energy things which come out as colored polka dots. And he Very, needs um, to essentially spew them up. He needs to get them out of his body because otherwise they will just consume him. So it, they've changed up his powers for the movie. Like It's more a case of him throwing them like discs in the comics. But what James Gunn was doing with this character, he essentially saw him as being the dumbest DC character of all time. And what he wanted and I love to do <laughs> was then turn him into a tragic character for the film. He's done it. This film has so many moving parts, and you just don't see James Gunn dropping the ball. He's doing it just, the humor, the tragedy, the action. Yeah. <laughs> it's all it's all here. All next challenge, condiment man. If James Gunn can make <laughs> something out of condiment man, give him this very deep deep, saucy backstory. Mm. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. It'll be good. Ratcatcher 2, the heart of the film. Like, I'm not familiar with this actress, Daniela uh, Melchior. I'm not too familiar with her at all. But she, she's so good in this. And if you just strip it back, like if, if I'm just going to tell you who her character is, she can control rats. That's it. That's what her character does. She's got a pet rat named Sebastian, voiced by Dee Bradley Baker. Uh, But essentially, she can control rats. Are you going to care about this character? Of course you are. You care. Bloodsport cares. They all care about this character. And she very quickly becomes at the heart of the team. You know, I thought there was going to be some sort of you know like how she's just always really tired i thought there was going to be something like i don't know like a something a source of her power or another power set or something it was 
just because she was really tired. <laughs> like, there wasn't anything. Anything? Like when King Shark's about to eat her. <laughs> yeah, you know, and honestly, watching this, I was on the lookout, like, where's Taika Wahiti? I know he's in here somewhere. And I've got to be mm. honest, I missed him. Like, I didn't, I didn't realize. Rat catcher that, one. That he was Papa Rat catcher. <laughs> yeah, so then you've got substance abuse in this movie. And, you know, her dad was all she had. And then he was gone. And all she had was the device that he created. And then, and then she finds this new family in the suicide squad. Wow. There's that is... pendulum again, going yes. into that deep emotional side and then swinging back and Idris Elba has this phobia of rats. Um, yes, and he's yeah. cowering and he's... Yeah. And, you, you know, know the, movie, the movie ends There's with like millions stroking, of rats stroking the rats. running up this giant... <laughs> stroking the rat. There's these... Millions of rats running up for this giant starfish monster alien thing. And what a horrific visual, but there it is. And I can't believe, like, you know, we've said this many times over the years, you know, we'll see a movie or TV show. I can't believe this is where we are. This is what they're putting on screen in live action. Star of the Conqueror in a Suicide Squad movie. Now, this was a character that was first introduced in the pages of Justice League. So you have the heavy hitters going up against Starro. But they've chose to do it this way, and it completely works tonally with the film. And they do it in a way where it's scary. Like, I mean, you know, it's a bright, purpley pink starfish. But when he's sending off the small starfish and he's taking over people, and the way that it sticks to their face and essentially kills them, it's, you know, the, the threat's there, but it just looks, I mean, it's ridiculous. It's like alien. It's like, it's like, it, it's, it is horrific. And look, I mean, using my wife as an example, you know, like we obviously finished watching this movie. We left the, the, the cinema, we had a bit of a chat about it. And, you know, she was like, well, you know, then that third act, it got pretty silly, you know, giant starfish. And I'm like, I get ya. I completely get it. Worked for me, but I get it. Like, because it is, it, it does go full silly. But do you know what? This movie, again, establishes what this creature is in a way that it makes, it makes sense. Like, it's believable. It's just this alien organism it wasn't the size that it is but it's growing because of all the bodies that it's sort of i guess control every time it controls someone it gets a little bit bigger so it's gotten to this stage where it's now giant like it, it works it's just an alien you can believe yeah, well that's it yeah man and a man can fly then you can believe this starfish like creature can um you know body snatch and control people and grow really big sure why not it, yeah, I mean, it didn't... It works. It, yeah, it, it does. I mean, the whole film is is silly at times because, you know, going back to your, your pendulum. But it is, it is silly. But I feel like the big fight with Starro at the end, the movie earns it because it has been silly on and off a lot. And then when it gets to the larger-than-life ending, I feel like they've laid enough groundwork We've been hearing about Project Starfish and it's bigger than anything else we get in the film, but they've earned it and it completely works. Yes. The comparison yes. would be the movie Kick-Ass. I absolutely love that film. At the end, when you've got him with a jetpack, I'm like, you've earned that. This movie has been <laughs> escalating and you've got to a point where if you opened with a jetpack, it doesn't work. But just it's it's yeah. a point of escalation. So this movie, it definitely it earned having the Suicide Squad going up against I mean, a giant starfish. For the most part, I mean, yeah, we've got all the like superpowers and other things going on. Um, but I mean, it, it's really it's just they're going up against people with guns, like they're being shot at. They're shooting people. They're biting people's heads off. Um, you know, there's there's rats and stuff. But I mean. I keep thinking every time I say this, it just sounds wrong, but it's like, it's pretty grounded for the most part. Like what they're, they're literally, their boots on the ground and they're going up against bad guys with guns. And then at the end, there's this giant monster. 
well, that's where we get the really, yeah. the really bombastic. But I agree with you. Like everything that we're fed up until that point builds to it, and it's it's a slow burn. Then when we get it, we're like, yes, like it's not as out of place as you think it would be. But then, like you've on got paper, somebody, yeah, it's nuts. You've got something like Bloodsport, completely recognizes how ridiculous it is. Mm. And that, I guess that's that's what helps as well. Like you've got a certain number of characters that are playing it still very straight, and is a, at any given time is so bewildered at what the situation is and what the characters around them are doing and how those characters are acting, and they're just like, like what the f is this? What's going on? And, and obviously, Bloodsport is the perfect example of that. You've got someone crazy like Harley Quinn running around doing her thing just falling in love and then shooting the guy because she's like, nah, I got red flags. Like that's, that's her doing her bonkers thing. Yep. She's using a javelin pole to flip up and down buildings and all that kind of stuff. But then Bloodsport's just on the ground just being like, this is, this is effed up. But then he's taking charge and he's, he's using everyone's weird, crazy qualities to deal with this messed up situation. And it, it, it just works. You know, the runtime of this movie, I think it comes in somewhere around two hours, 15 minutes. So it's not a short movie. We'd seen in pretty much all the trailers that Harley saves herself. And you've got that comedic bit, and it still works, even though I'd seen it in all the trailers, where Bloodsport, Peacemaker, you know, they're there trying to... Oh, yeah, like climb out the building, yeah. And she's like, you know, oh, this is so sweet. Maybe it's because I'd seen it in all those trailers. Like for me, this is such a fast-paced movie. At that point, is where it slowed down for me. I don't know if you had that same same experience with it, but because I knew assessing how that was all going to wrap up, we'd already seen the conclusion in the trailer. So although it's still good and see it play out and everything, I just felt like the movie was so had so much forward momentum. But that whole bit of Harley saving herself—that's the only bit in the film. Where I felt, oh, okay, so you know, I, I, no, I was do, you so, know do you know what happened yeah. in that? In that moment, I was, I think, I was so enthralled with the fact that she picked up keys with her toes, um, and and that I was like, I'm inspired. I'm inspired by that. I, <laughs> I appreciated that scene a lot. Now, do you know what? To be honest, like it, I didn't find any moment really slowing down that that much. Um, I think things I mean, kept, maybe I mean things really is, kept moving. I mean they did, but I mean again, this might just be my experience then, but it essentially is an ensemble. But that was Harley's bit. And he's with Harley for a while. And maybe I wouldn't have had that same experience with it if I'd not seen it in those trailers. It's kind of Are you talking about the whole the whole bit where Harley's removed and she's with yeah. that guy and just and that because sort of because I because we spending we the day all, together. We all knew from that trailer how that was going to end. So it's still good and it works and everything, but I guess, but because I knew the ending of that particular scene or okay. how it was going to play out, it just, oh, okay, attention. So, yes. So maybe that's, that's what it was. I mean, it's not like a ding on the movie, but it's just a moment where a guy, I kind of was able to just pause. Whereas for the rest, I guess we got a, we just got to kick our scene with, with Harley Quinn, like taking falls down in that, like, cage corridor whatever the hell that is but you know what like i draw comparisons to that first that first suicide squad movie hard to say um i remember we were both we both referred to it as like basically once the movie gets going it's it's about this group of characters just moving from point a to b mm. and killing you know like putty patrols along the way this movie to be honest is the same thing but feels completely different because to be honest, the opening scene, I want to get past the bird being killed thing, but like they land on the Island and yes, there's a flash, but like land on the Island, they remain on that Island for the entirety of this movie. They never leave it. They're literally walking from the jungle, from that beach, to the jungle to the city. That's it. That's it. Like they, they go from A to B, but there's so much, happening 
from A to B that it feels like they're globe trotting, like it feels like they're going all over the place. I mean, it does. Getting separated, but in hindsight, I'm like, did they ever leave that island? Like, no, nah, never. Except, of course, oh, for the flashback. Point. Yeah, like they're really point, yeah. they're on that island the whole time. Yet in my head, I'm like. No, they were all over the place. They were in the jungle, they're on the beach, they're in the city, they're in that lab, they're in the, you know, that lab was like a big castle, you know, like Harley was on some weird estate somewhere, like in the countryside. It was all on this little island. Yeah, it's crazy. Wow. Yeah. And it just shows like, just because it's an A to B movie, it's just what you do, what you do with the meat of your movie that makes the difference. And this was it's proved, yeah, the definitive Suicide Squad. <laughs> <laughs> so it mentioned it a little, well, a couple of times already. We get two post-credit scenes with this film. The first teams, Weasel and Peacemaker, are revealed to still be alive, with Peacemaker in the care of Waller's subordinates. And that was a thing that happened as well. They revolted. Hit her over the head, took over the operation. Mm. Yeah, and do you know what? Like the this, I was questioning this peacemaker show. I was like, well, what's it going to be? The, this movie got me excited for it. I'm like, okay, cool, I'll watch it. Like, I was going to watch it anyway, but I'm not like, no, now I know I have to watch it. Like, I'm I'm, I'm pumped to watch it. You know, you're, you're talking um, Amanda Waller, talking the whole Task Force X. Is it Task Force X? Is that what this is? Well, that's the offic- yeah, yeah, that's the official name. Task that's the Force official. X. And then the nickname is the known as the Suicide Squad because most right. people don't survive. What I found like, again, going back to that first one, it was like that whole operation. It was like big, almost like, you know, like, like a NASA setup, like screens everywhere, this whole operation. This time it's like they're in this little room, in this little office, with a bunch of buttons it's so and a couple computer good. screens. It's, um, it's so different. It just feels intimate and like just low-key, just a low... Low-key, and it, it looks like it was filmed on a handheld camera. Like there's just someone in there. Like, just... like it's moving around, you know, similar to without mm. talking to the camera, like the office. It's kind of like mm. that, and the way that people have conversations, you've got the office beeps in the background. It just... Yeah, but it, I'm pretty sure it, it's a handheld, and that's how they've done that because it, it's not steady. Creative just, choice, I it think. Kind yeah, it but... adds to it, and especially, like say, with the size of that space, and if he's getting in there with a camera, it yeah, it it really it really works. And that's like, oh, okay, so now we're watching The Office, and now we're doing this, <laughs> and now there's explosions again, and wow, I mean, what mm. what, a, what a film, and on that. If you're going to rate this film out of five, I, I, want, to, I want to tell you on the journey that I went on. <laughs> now, look, after watching the movie, I think maybe it was just so overwhelming and I, I definitely needed some time to process because my predicted rating after coming out, I was like, I'm not going to rate this that high. I'm like, I enjoyed it. I had a really good time. It was really fun. But something about I was like I'm I'm not feeling the rating deserves to be that high. But then you know having sat on it for a few days, having this conversation, it's it's really up there. I don't want to get myself. I don't want to get too like overexcited about it. And I think a lot of it is coming from just comparing it to what is what had come before, um, and I guess being overjoyed with you know this really is this is how you do it. Like they they really. The Suicide Squad, like they, they, true to their name, like they put them on screen. It's, this is good. Um, so much good stuff here, but I don't want to get nutty. This isn't like the greatest comic book movie ever, or, you know, probably not even in the conversation of like the top five or anything like that, but it's a really fun one. It's really good. There's, there's such creative stuff going on. And I think that's where, where the, the wonder comes from. Again, just that pendulum of heartfelt stuff to, zany insane crazy humor and violence and language and flaccid penises you know it, it's all good 4.5 out of 5 
Is that too hard? That's, that's you holding back, is it? That's <laughs> you holding back. crazy with it. I mean, it, you know, it is. It is four point five. Well, it's pretty. It's it's pretty good. And maybe I maybe I am getting too excited, but um, yeah, maybe four point five. Let's go nuts. Okay, I'm gonna come in with a five. Hey, there it is. And I'm just, you know, maybe I'm getting a bit carried away, but I absolutely <laughs> loved it. You know, talking about things we didn't like about it, I mean, what did we say? I mean, I was talking about the bit. It slowed down a little bit for you. But it that, slowed down and you're still going to go to five. But that was me thinking, right, okay, so, yeah, and that's, and that's it. It slowed down a little bit. I thought, okay, so maybe that would justify bringing it down a little bit. But maybe that was, you know, a tip of the hat from the from the trailers. But I'm just thinking back to okay, so sitting in the cinema, the whole experience, like just laughing at the gags and enjoying the action and the performances, Idris Elba's blood sport. And I love the whole experience. So I really can't justify on the back of having that experience, giving it anything less than a perfect score, which is a five out of five. I'd so is that a good time? Is, is that is that the first five for this year from you? Yeah, I'd say. I think it is, yeah. Okay, oh, we is. have Just, a front runner, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I mean so much fun. Like so much fun. Oh, we didn't even mention the fact that the reason why Bloodsport was in prison in the first place, he shot Superman with a kryptonite bullet. I mean, come on. That's, that's pretty cool. Happened first in the comics, happens in this movie. It's The film is so much fun, and I can honestly say, so really looking forward to watching it again. If we had HBO Max, we could. How, how frustrating. You know what? I just, uh, yep. I just had to look up if there was a Polka Dot Man uh, pop, because I hadn't actually seen one. I just assumed there was, because you have a... Yeah, um, looks all right. I don't know what I want. I don't know what I want from it. I, I, feel, I feel like I, I wanted to fall in love with the uh, toy, but um, just get a Bloodsport one. Bloodsport. He's a cool character. I guess he's kind of cool. He's, yeah. Oh, what maybe a, I need to see the toy in person. What a turn. I don't know what I expected. It just looks a, a bit dull. Just looks a bit dull. <laughs> I mean, such a fun-looking character. But I was going to say, what a turnaround from David Ayer's Suicide Squad five years ago. And here we are. Who thought that movie would get a sequel or another film? And <laughs> five out of five from me, 4.5 out of five from you. And the, the ratings, both critically and audience scores, are high for this movie. So, yeah. yeah. You know, you know our mate, our mate Rob from um, you know Rewind and Review. He's currently on his uh, little, he's still on his little adventure for a great cause, of course, um, on his on his walk, really long walk. Um, but he he messaged me, you know, once when he eventually got signal, and he was like, "How was Suicide Squad? Is it is it worth or the Suicide Squad? Is it worth you know like when I get back checking it out?" And I didn't want to reveal too much to him, but I just said to him, "Best Harley Quinn movie yet." I'd agree with that. ambiguous response but I think accurate and uh, I just wanted to throw that out there best Harley Quinn movie yet so if you've loved it so far like this is this is the movie he's going to have so many films to catch up on I mean Black Widow that happened whilst he was away didn't it I guess yeah anyway that's probably a conversation we could have off air Um, (laughs) back to the podcast we're going to close out on some trivia James Gunn wanted Dave Batista to play Peacemaker, but Batista turned it down to play the lead role in Zack Snyder's Army of the Dead. Pretty cool. Obviously, they've got the Guardians of the Galaxy connection. I've got to say, I'm glad that he turned it down. I liked him in Army of the Dead, but John Cena as Peacemaker. Incredible. Perfect. Casting, and you've probably seen that Cena is doing all his press for this movie in costume. Pretty Full costume, but in good on him. Like, <laughs> just it's amazing. And somebody was asking James Gunn if he had plans to make a second season of the Peacemaker TV show, 
And he simply said no, because Cena keeps taking all the costumes home. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, it, it's great to see. I mean, it looks like everyone's having fun on screen. And then you see what's happening in interviews and behind the scenes. It looks like it was a fun time had by all, but especially by John Cena in that incredible helmet. <laughs> That's it. Can I can I contribute to the trivia? No, I don't, we don't normally do this. Sometimes you do. Can I contribute? Yeah, yeah, bonus trivia. I held I, I held back on a on a bit of information earlier because I was like, oh, maybe I didn't want to steal it from you in case this was your trivia. But uh, it's about my favourite uh, Polkadot Man. Kind of throws out there. So turns out the David Dasmarchian he actually has a personal connection to the character of Abnakril Polkadot Man. Um, so obviously the character in the movie, you know. It, his sort of powers has it's related to sort of like a skin condition in a way where you know you get the splotches all over his face body i guess um the actor himself he actually grew up with um an auto dis uh, an autoimmune sort of called uh vitiligo which is a condition that actually affects the pigmentation of his body so there's actually yeah like a, a strong connection to the character and I guess the power set in a way, and I guess what that character struggles with. I thought that was really cool. I'm sure that's not the reason he he got the role. I don't even think James Gunn knew of that, but it's just an added bonus, I guess, the, he, that he's bringing to the character. I just thought that was really cool. Yeah, it is um, a lot more interesting in my trivia. Well done. I, I wouldn't say that, but uh, <laughs> sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's it for our review of the Suicide Squad. Please go subscribe and download this podcast on SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts. And please leave us a review. It helps listeners just like you find the podcast. We are on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as that film Street podcast. And we also have our companion shows, Rewind and Review and Sounds Like Comics, which each have their own Facebook pages. All our episodes can be found on our website, thatfilmsdewpodcast.com. If you missed it, we recently celebrated our 300th episode by looking back at the Marvel Cinematic Universe Phase 1, as well as reviews of Jungle Cruise and Batman The Long Halloween Part 2. Keep an eye out, though, for our next review, The Ice Road. You've been listening to Luke and Jason, the guys from that film, Stu. See you soon.